0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The number one goal of the new Biden-Weiss House in terms of battling the pandemic is to restore trust with the American people. We've had a lot of divisiveness. We've had facts that were very, very clear, that were questioned. People were not trusting, what health officials were saying, you know, let's reset this, let the science speak.
1: Over the last year, trust in America's leading public health institutions has eroded. Just a few months ago in October, a Kaiser Family Foundation poll found that only about one in three Americans said they had a great deal of trust in the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, as well as the Food and Drug Administration. I think this is a big deal. I mean, these are institutions that historically have had the respect of people all over the country. The CDC in particular has contributed to the health and well-being not only of American citizens, but also those around the globe. With the new administration in the White House and the new director at the CDC, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, there is a lot of hope that the CDC can now more effectively steer the public out of this pandemic, as well as rebuild its reputation both here and abroad. But doing so is not gonna be easy. To talk about the future of the CDC, I decided to sit down and speak with former acting CDC director, Dr. Richard Besser. We discussed some of the greatest challenges that lie ahead with vaccine distribution, as well as his own advice for the new director of the CDC. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Coronavirus Fact versus Fiction.
2: For me personally, one of the hardest things over the past year uh, was watching uh, CDC, state and local public health serve as the the punching bag for political leaders who who didn't want to ask the American public to do the hard thing, the right thing to get this under control.
1: Do you think that this erosion of trust that has occurred, and I think that's it's it's measurable, it is warranted? Did the CDC deserve this based on what happened over this past year?
2: In this pandemic, the CDC's definitely made mistakes. You know, early on, you know, there's been so much so much attention uh, to the to the mistakes that were made around testing. But had CDC had the opportunity every day to be in front of the public, that would have just been a speed bump along the way to a successful response rather than a defining moment. When CDC came out and, and changed guidance to say that everyone should wear masks after saying no, it was just for healthcare, that was seen as, wow, CDC doesn't know what they're doing. Mm. If CDC had been out there every day and would, say, would be able to say, we are studying, what what's working around the globe. Then when they came out and they said, we have learned, we have learned that actually masks... Can help. This would be part of, of, of the learning process in science. And people would be wowed and say, wow, they're learning as they're going, they're doing the studies, they're sharing the information. But instead, the, you know, the opportunity was there for, for political leaders, especially out of the White House, to say, CDC doesn't know what they're doing. They're flip-flopping. You know, Dr. Fauci said, Oh, there's nothing to worry about. Now Dr. Fauci says it's terrible. If you don't have that communication chain, then trust is eroded. You know, that's it takes radical transparency and honesty in order to, to maintain trust. And CDC didn't have the opportunity for either of those.
1: What was the biggest blunder, do you think, that happened this year then at the CDC? Was it something related specifically to the leadership? What What would you have done differently?
2: You know, it's really hard to know what I would have done differently. Uh, you know, I, I had the good fortune of uh, being in that role with an administration that said we are going to we are going to follow the recommendations of public health we are going to follow the best public health science um, When I went and briefed the president in the cabinet and gave the briefing of what was going on, he instructed every cabinet member to do all they could to support these efforts and that we would we would only do things that were recommended by by public health. And so within that frame, it's very easy to, uh, to lay out the, the truth. I don't know how much Dr. Redfield could have done in that role. You know, one of, during, during the year, there were, uh, there were several times that, that I, I, uh, I wrote op-eds with, with others um, who had been uh, full-time CDC directors um, about the importance of having a line that you wouldn't cross uh, that, w- that you wouldn't do. Um, hmm. I don't know what his line was. Uh, and so it's, it's hard to know what my line would have been, you know, cause I wasn't in, in his shoes. Uh, but it will be really important for the new CDC director to have that hard line. But if politics wants to change the findings of science, that's where you just say, you just say, no, that line wasn't clear this past year. And that line has to be very clear going forward.
1: The CDC is a nonpartisan institution, but is it is it do you see it as aligned more so with one party versus the other? I mean, do do you think that the CDC having its its trust restored under a Democratic president, could that make it seem or appear as as nonpartisan?
2: The CDC is is nonpartisan. You know, the years I was there, there was one political appointee and that was the CDC director. Uh, I know during the past administration, there were several more political appointees who were there uh, around the CDC director. And I, I don't know in this administration how how they will will staff that. Um, when you look at the people who work at, at CDC, uh, you have people across the, the political spectrum. But what you had was a, an incredible commitment by everyone there to the mission and to the value of public health in terms of saving lives and protecting lives. But what we've seen over time – and this is, this is both parties – is this cycle of there's an emergency, we'll throw money at public health, the emergency goes away, and the money goes away. And that cycle does not allow for there to be resources at the federal, state, and local level to ensure that as a nation and as a globe, we're, we're, we are ready.
1: Let, let me ask you uh, just about the leadership of CDC. And, and just put aside for a second that we know, obviously, the leader of the CDC is going to be Rochelle Walensky. What are the qualities of the, of the right leader of the CDC? What are those ingredients?
2: I think that in the setting of crisis, one of the critical points is you want someone, someone in that role to have immediate face credibility. So someone who, who understands infectious diseases in a big way. So, you know, Dr. Walensky, head of infectious diseases at Mass General, one of the nation's leading medical institutions. Um, you do want someone who who understands public health. She's done a lot of work in, in, in HIV and, and uh, with NIH and, and others, but has has not been a state or local or or federal public health leader. If you're going to pick someone like that, you want someone who has the humility to say, there are things that I know, and there are things that I don't know, and I I want to surround myself with the best people in the areas that that I don't know, and in my conversations with Dr. Walensky, that's come through loud and clear.
1: I've not had a chance to to meet her in person, uh, given you know the Zoom world in which we all live, but she was working as a as a contributor uh, at CNN, and we did a lot of. Uh, you know, reporting together. And I, I know that she listens to this podcast sometimes. If if she's listening now, what advice might you give her?
2: You know, I would say keep on doing what you've already started doing. And that's, you know, communicate, uh, listen, uh, show your humanity, and show your humility. And um, she's doing that, that really, really well. And, uh, you know, I think that the the, the people at CDC are going to rally behind her and be excited and rejuvenated, and that will, will spill over to, to state and local public health uh, as well. I, I, I think it's going to be a really exciting year uh, for public health. It's going to be a year where, as a nation, we, we come together to, to tackle uh, th- this pandemic and, uh, and, and get people back to the lives they want to be leading.
1: I, I do want to ask about the, the vaccines. And it's, it's interesting. Over the past week, there's, there's obviously we have a new administration. And one of the targets that's been set up is 100 million doses of the vaccine within 100 days. And I, I personally think there's been some, you know, reasonable questions raised saying, look, is that high enough? What do you think think's going on there? Why is, why is 100 million doses in 100 days, why is that the, the, the benchmark
2: I think that, that uh, there have been so many times in, in public health and emergencies where, where government has failed simply by overpromising. Uh, this was a challenge back in 2009 with the, with the H1N1 pandemic, where uh, the government said that there would be enough vaccine for anyone who wanted it by, uh, I think it was beginning of November, and it wasn't there until December. And there was a sense of, wow, that's failure. Well, December, um, that's pretty quick for, for uh, a pandemic that just started that, that spring. And had they, had they said, we're going to have enough vaccine for everyone who wants it by the end of the year, it would have been, wow, they're early. Um, so there's a lot of unknowns right now. There's some concerns that Pfizer and Moderna aren't going to be able to make their delivery uh, targets. Uh, If that's the case, then I think it will be really challenging for the government on its own to stand up a production facility to manufacture vaccine quickly. I mean, it's such a high-tech thing to be able to do um, if, if the companies can't do it. Um, I I find it, 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 I I think it's a little challenging that even with the Defense Production Act, they'll be able to stand up a production facility for vaccine. So it's looking to see, is there a way to get more vaccine out of uh, any of the companies that are manufacturing it? I'm hoping the J&J vaccine comes in and has high levels of of protection. That's going to be really exciting and will increase the number of people who can be, be protected quickly.
1: Having enough supply of the vaccine and then getting it into people's arms are two of the big immediate challenges facing the Biden administration. But looking forward, I have to say that I'm hopeful that Dr. Besser is right, that this is going to be a better year for our country's public health institutions. They've got so much yet to do, and humanity and humility are gonna be important ingredients to getting that work done. If you have questions, Please record them as a voice memo and email them to asksanjay at CNN.com. We might even include them on the next podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening.